Well, hello and welcome to another RTE Soccer Podcast. It's been a busy week in Irish football. And with the help of two men who know a thing or two about playing in high-pressure games, Graham Gartland and Johnny MacDonald, they'll help me look back over Stephen Kenny's first campaign as Ireland manager. And staying with Ireland, Jim Crawford's side under-21s took on Italy at the weekend and they got Sweden up next. We look forward to that and back to the Italian game. And as the League of Ireland comes to an end, who will end up in the relegation playoff spot? Another fiery Dublin derby with Bowes gaining some bragging rights. And four places still up for grabs as the last night of the season is upon us. So let's get straight into it. Stephen Kenny's men finished off their World Cup qualifying campaign last night on a bit of a high, it must be said. Matt Doherty towards the back post. It is drilled in and the goalkeeper's made a mess of it. And Ireland score it. Shane Duffy was there. And Hendrick plays it in and Knight is in behind the cover. Works it back to Benny. McLean still full of running, still full of energy towards the back post. Knight arriving and there's a simple tap in for Callum Robinson and Ireland have a third goal. Ten goals in the last four games and four clean sheets, so we're we're doing a lot better in that regard. And uh, just it was it was a it was a tough game. Luxembourg are a good, you know, they play some good football. We felt we could. They can't hurt you with their six attacking players, but we felt we could hurt, we could hurt them. You know, you know, we could exploit maybe a situation with the like a pace in their back four. So uh, you know, it was end to end really. We lacked control in the first half. We didn't have control the way we would like. But it was probably because we absolutely went for it, our possession and left ourselves a little bit exposed. But we believed that we could score and we did that um, in order to do that. But we lacked a little bit of control in that period. But uh, created a lot of chances and uh, we're delighted to win the game. Well, Johnny, campaign's over. First campaign, first full campaign as Ireland manager. Started off a little bit ropey, but seemed to get a little bit better towards the end here now. What what's your overall like if we're going to do a report card? What do we think? How do, how did this campaign go? I, I think you know if you'd have said at the start, you know with, with Serbia and Portugal in the group that you would have been looking to finish toward, and that's where we finished. You know, but you would definitely have been looking to chase one of them and you know going for the the, the playoff spot as well. To answer your question about the, the campaign, a new group of players, the new manager coming in. Lots of new new faces, lots of new players coming in, getting debuts. Players were only one and two, you know, senior international matches behind, and players who were coming in that fans didn't know about and stuff. So there was always going to be an element of you know things not going right for you. But look, they ended up in third place, which I think was you know where we would have looked looked to finish. As I said, but we're chasing, and you'd always think you know obviously Portugal, you know, champions and stuff. Serbia were solid all through the group. I have to say, I watched them. In the Aviva, fantastic. I thought he played us off the pitch that night, Serbia. But, you know, so Stephen's trying to get our group now to get to the next level. And I think that's where we need, we need to look at to, to get the level we're at now. We need to get into the next level. We're not at the levels with, you know, the, the top teams in the world or the top teams in Europe or France and, and Italy at the moment. So we need to get the, the level underneath them. And look, it's it takes a campaign. It takes time to develop and nurture players and bring them in and build a bit of trust and build a bit of belief in what they're trying to do. And all them words were used over the campaign. And, you know, we, we, we got he was patient, and we've got to be patient with him as well. So, expected to finish toward? Probably, yes. Graeme, from the coaching eye that you have as well, there's definite progress in that side, isn't it? Yeah, I, I feel there is, yeah. I've mentioned a few times before that I think attacking-wise, we obviously a lot easier on the eye to watch when we're on the ball. My worry at the start was that we were probably still very open 
Um, I know Johnny touched on the Serbia game where Serbia created uh, numerous number of chances in that game and probably should have punished us. So I do feel that you can still play a good brand of football and still be tighter defensively. And you can see Stephen has touched on that, which he said four clean sheets in the last four games. I know the opposition mightn't be as strong as Serbia, but I think that's the that's the most pleasing aspect is that we are still pleasing a, a bit more pleasing on the eye on the ball but defensively we looked a lot more solid in the last four games and and I think even his substitution with, a, with probably a half an hour to go it looks like it might be a negative one but it turns out to be a positive one where he puts an extra midfield player on and that just makes made us a little bit more solid in the game so there is progress and um, I agree with Johnny it takes a long time to build a sort of cohesion and a continuity in a team and it does take a campaign remember these are probably only with each other in 10 days snippets and then they're moving on and back to the club so it does probably take a campaign to see where they're at we spoke at the start of this well actually in the middle of this campaign about like if Stephen Kenny had no luck or bad luck he'd have no luck at all yeah. with, with the likes of the COVID outbreaks and stuff like that but we still haven't seen do you think Johnny have we seen what he would say is the starting 11 yet because he's having to change obviously because when there's two games so quickly beside each other you need to freshen it up a bit. Yeah, well, look, when you've the two games coming quick and fast, you know, I, I know when we were at the Faroes, we said when I was there with Brian, we'd always look at the game and we'd say, what's the best game that we think we can get the three points in? So we or the point or whatever it might be. So you play your best, your best group in that game, and you know. And whether fellas get injured or not, but that's the way we used to approach it. Because you might be playing Italy then, and the next game you'd be saying, "Well, it's it's highly unlikely we were going to win the match, but we might get something, say, against Estonia or or a team like that." So there is a, a, a short period of time between the matches. I think he's a good group of players, a group of young players. But I also, what I also think is that, you know, with the likes of Duffy there, who's who's been a revelation, I have to say, he's been brilliant. He, he gets his goal again last night. You know, he's he's three goals or so for us, and. Uh, but I'm delighted to see Jeff Hendrick stepping up to the plate. I have to say, I just think that, that that guy just needs a little bit of push and a bit of belief and a bit of, put an arm around him. Like Jeff can be, you know, with young Cullen beside him, you know, young Knight coming into the midfield with him there. Jeff can be a main man in there. He could he could be running the show for us in there. And he has the ability, you know, he's a, he's a good all-round player. He can get forward, he can score goals. And then he, he, these young lads coming in can learn off him so much. McLean players can learn off them so much. Coleman. And I'm saying, so they're driving, they're driving this for Stephen. And, and, and that will come from within the group. The young players will learn quickly. And the only way to learn is to play the games and play every game. Is, is, get on and play in every match as you can whether it's Luxembourg or the Serbia Portugal it doesn't matter friendlies it doesn't matter it just gives them you know that confidence to say yeah I can play at this level I'm able to do it at this level and that takes time as I said and Stephen he can play a couple of different formations he can go three at the back and go four at the back as well you know we, we've got a good lot of you know players who are adaptable Coleman uh, Doherty and stuff that play the wing backs positions so look and Stephen has come back into it as well, so I think we've a good group, a good mix, a uh, good mix, and I think it's really positive going forward. You do need a bit of luck, but yeah, you do need a bit of luck. Graham, as you're saying, like the, the the issue we seem to have is when we're not with the ball and we leave gaps. So, how does he shore up that defence? Who do you think? Like, obviously, the outstanding player who's just at 19 years of age is just phenomenal. Is Gavin Bazunu? His save last night. Yes will be used in coaching videos around Europe and around the world the way he overextends himself and then gives an, an extra little extension to tap the ball around the post 
So how do you think he goes, like in the modern game, is the three at the back better for Ireland or do you think we should just go back to four at the back or is it the three plus two wing backs? I think Johnny touched on it. I think it's having a fluidity to do both when when's needed. Mm. You know, a lot of a lot of teams will change formations in the middle of a game to counteract what you're doing, and having the ability to go and be able to to sort of adjust and move your bodies around to suit what you're up against. It sometimes playing a three at the back, you can get pinned back and become a five. I think what Ireland have done really well in, in with this, and and obviously um, the lad Barry from Chelsea does it really well is. One of our Coleman plays as a centre back, uh, right side of centre back, and he can slide into a full back position really, really easily, and that allows Doherty to then get higher up the pitch either if we're pressing or if we're on the ball. But if you're under the cosh with ten minutes to go, you can obviously go back to a back five and pull your three into midfield. So I think that's the biggest thing that we've we've always said about Ireland through the years. We've been too rigid. We've been too set in our ways. We play. We you know playing straight lines and all with the ball but obviously we're out the ball I think you have to have a fluidity to how you defend to counteract what teams are doing to break you down because there's so much video analysis now and there's so much analysis done on certain things that in certain minutes of games teams will just change a formation to try something that they've worked on during the week because they think well that might help as well so um I agree. I think even the boy Egan that that's he's had he's had a great couple of years as well at Sheffield United, and he's been brilliant as well. So the back four is quite like, um, there's a lot of experience in the back three going into the wing backs, which is Doherty and then McLean. So there is a lot of experience, and I think Cullen has been excellent. Um, I think he's been a really a really good find. I know he's not fine, but he's he's doing really well at Andalek. So. I do think there's a fluidity to how you defend and there's obviously a fluidity to how you attack, but once you have bodies in the right areas to stop chances, um, I think that's the main thing. And, and again, Graham, you're right. It's the way the manager perceives it. Is a three at the back, is a five at the back? I know like when, if we're playing, if I'm playing with a three at the back, I'd always get my wing back just to tuck in, slide the players across. So Coleman, instead of being a yeah. right side of centre, he now goes into his right full position, the two centre half shift across, and then your wing back just comes in as a four. And then you've got your four in the midfield and your one in front dropping off from, from the top. Yeah. So you still have your two banks of four. Now, other managers deal with different. Other managers just get the five players to play at the back and drop drop the midfielders off to make it nice and tight and that low block and stuff. So, but whatever way you do it, once it works for you and works for your team and it's clear and concise and the players know exactly what to do at that time, Graham, as you said, when the, t- when yeah. the opposition... And once it stops the opposition, yeah, Johnny. It doesn't exactly, matter what yeah. way you do it. Once it's right and it's clear and everyone knows. And and I think it's always best just to make one change rather than two or three changes on the, on the pitch itself. It was notable, especially in the Portuguese game and a little bit last night, not so much last night, but... Again, from a coaching point of view or a, a teaching players how to play point of view, Josh Cullen, the amount of times he scans what's happening around him before he receives a ball or sees a ball. Well, he, that does, just doesn't happen. He's doing that since he was an academy yeah. player. So that comes yeah. part of your academy work. I'm down at Belvedere at the moment. We work with that, all the kids. So someone's telling you to turn, but you're always having a little scan to see who's coming in. Are you, like somebody might say players coming on to your man on or whatever it might be but he's coming on your left is he coming on your right so you mm. need all that detail and with your little scan it gives you that it gives you that little look and you know is he coming on your left or your right but more importantly is how far away is he you know have you got time to turn has it got to be bounced back straight away can he go left right or get a turn and go up through the middle so that just doesn't happen that happens from when he's a kid going through the whole academy and it just becomes automatic James you can't just put that on the fact that he's 
playing for Ireland under a different system now, like you said. No, no, but no, I'm not putting, I'm not putting it that way, you know Graham. I mean? I'm saying that that just shows his <laughs> his ability as a player. That's what I'm suggesting is that yeah, exactly. His yeah. ability of a and player it, it says that like, I'm I'm constantly looking without the ball near me. But that yeah, should be a given at international. Probably, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. a standard. And you're that's noticing a given. he's yeah. scanning. Yeah, 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 correct. And you're noticing he's scanning more because you think well, he's probably looking to receive the ball more off the back line than he than we normally do. That's probably the bit that's noticeable is. Do you know what? Our midfields are coming to collect the ball a lot more, so it looks. Geez, they're scanning a lot more on the way in because they know that there's a high, there's a good chance they're gonna receive it. They're not going in to go well. I'm coming in. I know you're gonna go long, and then I'm gonna go and get seconds. They're, they're coming in with the with the sole intention of give me the ball, and I want to link the play. So that's probably why it does stand out to you more so in this campaign than it has in previous ones. But it's great to see the the players in in the in the game the other night against Portugal. I was watching and watch a layer rewound the match with five and six players in the box at some some stages. Mm. We then the Stevens making that diagonal run across that he got the right foot shot away. You would have never seen that before. Uh, previous managers, and I won't name names, but he told one player, <laughs> if you go past if you go past the number ten, I'll take you off. He told one of the midfielders. He literally said to him, If you go past him, I'll take you off. So the fluidity, as you said, Graham, is there. And to, to have uh, Stevens running into the box like that, and, and they know someone will cover for him. They know if he's gone, I'll just cover for him. So it's, it's, it's good planning. The positivity out of this campaign, if you ask me, is the amount who normally wouldn't have got an Irish cap. Like, for instance, Ogbeni, I don't know how many managers would have picked him up and put him in. The one that stands out to me above anybody else is Jamie McGrath. Mm. I think Jamie has yeah. taken both hands on the... The chance he's been given, like even since he went to Scotland, his ability seems to have gone up and up and up and up and up. But that's the point I'm saying to you. When when you get the chance, you have to be ready. But, you, mm. but it also reinforces your confidence to know, I can do this. And when you're in there and you do it, it gives you that confidence to push on again. What helped as well was Stephen had lots of these players at the under-21s. He knew them, he trusted them, he would have seen them come through the system, he would have seen players. And and that helps as well because you're going, I don't really know, will I take a chance on him? You've seen him in action, you've seen him like Jamie McGrath playing in Champions League football. So he's playing at a really next to international football level. So the manager gets a good graph for that and he gets a good feeling for the player. And I think that's helped along the way. But more importantly, that the player has to be ready. And when you put him into that environment and they can do it, yeah, it just gives them confidence and they just push on. Some players, you know, we talk about international players at under-21s, how many come through. And lots of fellas just reach their level and reach their peak and they mm. just can't make that final step because it's that much quicker mentally, you know, and it's that much quicker physically and faster, the passing and the gaps and, you know, just the decision-making and the responsibility. And some fellas just get to a certain level. Graham, if you were to, as we mentioned at the start, the report card, we came into this as third seeds. We finished the group as third seeds. Now, we did finish a fair bit beyond Portugal in second, but um, like there's a lot of talk about Stephen getting a new contract. There's a lot of talk, obviously, Liam Brady and RTE suggesting we should wait until his contract's up before we make a decision. Um, what, what's your opinion on the Graham? Does I think there's a lot of positives. Personally, do you just say, let's get I, yeah, this done? I agree with you. I, I, think there is, I think there is a lot of positives. I think Johnny... Johnny was very articulate in how he was saying, well, you wouldn't expect us to finish ahead of Serbia or Portugal. I think I think it, we've always had a go at, at doing it. That would be the thing. It's an Irish thing. You have a go and see how, how far you can go. I think the, I think finishing tour glosses over the fact that we finished level on points with Luxembourg a little bit. I know we beat them on goal difference, but we're still level on points with them. 
and um, uh, on nine. So we would have, you would have liked him to have finished, you know, a good bit ahead of them and had a, and had a little go at maybe going bringing it down to the last, um, the last weekend to see can we break into the Serbia Portugal side of it and try and have a have a chance at a playoff or something. But I do think there has been improvements. I do, like you said, he's probably lowered the average age of the squad as well, which is which means that the next campaign, you, all these boys with all this experience of the first campaign are able to handle it. They're used to it. They're playing in front of packed stadiums now as well after the COVID thing has lifted. So I do think it's a positive. I think the FEI, I, I don't think actually it's a decision where you go, right, give him a new contract. I think the FEI have been born before. Like I read the book with Damien Delaney where they offer Mick McCarthy a stupid contract and a bonus because they're, they're doing well over in Japan and it's done, like, to be honest, they just make a hanes of it. And I think this is, the, the knock-on effect of this is that if they give him another contract and a big contract, what did he do if it doesn't work out? Because they've been born before with obviously Martin O'Neill and now um, and and with Mick McCarthy at the World Cup, so it becomes one of those that it's it's a problem the FEI have created for themselves. Without do they jump in and give him a new contract? Um, with six months to go, I think they can sit and wait. There's two things I look at from a business point of view. Are you gonna run? The, are you running the risk of losing Stephen? Is is somebody gonna come in and take him? The answer is probably no. So therefore, you can give yourself, you have a little bit of breathing space to then say, Do you know what, we can wait and see how this goes and weigh it all up and see what financially have the have the can they afford them? Yeah. So it's he's not gonna they're not gonna have to bring in an outside sponsor as well. If they look to get a new manager in and it's a big name, they're gonna have to go outside and get investment like they did with Dennis O'Brien again. It puts the FAI into more debt. So I don't think it's it's a light decision that they have to make. I think they have to weigh all that up. But if you ask me, does he? Tick the box for going forward for the Republic of Ireland, yeah, because he's not going to be expensive. He's, you're not going to need an outside influence to to um, sponsor him his wages, um, and therefore there's not a big expenditure on the FAI. Also, he's done really, really well in the last six months of this campaign. He's brought the team together and he's brought the country behind him. So I would say, yeah, give him an, another contract. Johnny, I don't know how you're going to follow up that. That was a long, a long winded route. answer. Sorry, <laughs> I've no idea <laughs> how you're following sorry. up that analysis. <laughs> Look, you see, you've covered nearly everything on it, Graham. I have to say, you have, and you know, it, it, it is down to, it is all down to money at the end, you know, and it can all be nice yeah. and glossed over and all that. But well, I think they're sixty-five million in debt, are they? FAI, something yeah. like that. Sixty-two, and, I yeah, said, said and, yesterday. You know, it's all about qualifying, getting the money in, getting us into the seeded pots that we can qualify a little bit easier now. And it's it's a little, it's a little bit easier now to qualify than it was maybe ten years ago. Just a little bit, a bit, a bit more scope to qualify. Um, do you bring a new manager in? It upsets everything. Does he change the whole regime? Does he push out the younger players? Does you know, you have what you have at international level. You can't go and buy players or whatever. But I I think this campaign has done an awful lot for 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 everyone. The way we're playing, the way we're going about it, the young players coming through, and I just think it can only be good for us going into the next campaign. But what I would say is, is that if we think that it's grand and it's all right now, this is just the start. You know, we've literally yeah. this is just the start. Mm. We're we're back up on the horse now. If we want a better word, or back up on the bike. So we've, you know, Sean Kelly says a few few mountains ahead of us over the Alps there now. But we've got it. We've got to start again. 
And it's not just, oh, we're all right, we're playing lovely football and it's grand. We've got to chase that second position, the playoff positions then, then the qualifying, the automatic qualifying positions. And they're the standards you have to set. And they're, you know, they're, they're dreams, but you have to start with a dream. And it doesn't always take the best players always to get to the top. It takes the best team to get to the top. Mm. And then players coming in individually, collectively down in groups, and then we make them into a team, then we make them into a very good team, an excellent team, and a full international team that can qualify. A lot of work in that. I don't know whether that makes a lot of sense, but there's a lot of work in it. But this is just the start. Yeah, you asked me the question about Stephen. Absolutely. Let him at it. Give him another campaign. I would say absolutely let Stephen at it. Give him another campaign. And build. Uh, let's try and build something from there. Let's just finish with a bit of positivity on the actual game last night and in particular Ogbené's goal. 14 passes in the build-up to it. Kind of remind me of a goal Dundalk scored against St. Pat's in Richmond Park where I think there was 41 passes before Sean Gannon scored. Well, he obviously wasn't playing that day. <laughs> <laughs> in the defence, I mean. You weren't coaching them. You can't hit the ball 40 either, <laughs> either was Graham because someone would have been sent off and it was 41 but passes. Yeah, but, but I, and all joking aside, but that's the standard you've got to play yeah. at. To be pot, you know, you keep the ball, keep possession, keep good positive possession, and it usually opens up and it leads to penetrating chances for you as well. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But you know, that's the norm in other countries. That's just the norm. It's we're going wow, there's fourteen passes. Yeah, so what? That's the yeah. level. And I don't <laughs> mean to be negative, but that's the, the no, level no, and that's I the agree, positivity yeah. that we've got to strive there. We're striving to get there. And yeah, why not? You have to have have a go, as, as Graham said. We have that in us, we always have a go, you know, and that's what we've got to strive to, to get to that level. Well, as Graham already mentioned a minute ago about our under twenty ones, um Jim Crawford's side losing two in a row now, unfortunately, in an open goal. Do you know what? They probably should have got an equaliser on Friday night through Tierney before the Italians made it 2-0 late on. Um, let's quickly let's listen to Brian Maher and his uh, reflections after the game. Bitterly disappointed with the result. As you can see, at 1-0 we've had a few chances to get back in the game and I don't think that they've had a lot of chances up until the point where we're stretched going for looking for a goal. So, yeah, it's a very disappointing dressing room, yeah. Did you feel the performance warranted a point from that game? Yeah, at least? I think so. I think you can see the chances. like You can see the save that the keepers made late on at 1-0 and I think if that goes in then I think we're in the ascendancy as well so we're very disappointed For yourself you had quite a busy evening and go but a lot of excellent saves in there uh, I wouldn't say a very busy evening I think I've made one or two saves at 1-0 down I think um, at nil all I don't think they've had a chance we've given away a goal we're disappointed with look it's it's a slip like there's nothing we can do about that but yeah I think all in all I think we were good for large parts of the game and we created chances we've gotten behind them and we probably should have come away disappointed not to come away with at least a point but Graham, as Brian says there, they created chances, but it just shows you the level they need to be at because it's one mistake or it's one slip and that loses you the game at this level. Yeah, it does actually. And the higher you go up, it can be something like the boy looks like he's trying to um, go out of with his head when it might just be, he might be better off just putting his left foot behind it and then he slips and then they score and then you're chasing the game to get done late on with a counter-attack. But... There is levels again. Johnny touched on it earlier. And the higher you go up, the, and uh, the clinic, the more clinical it is. But it's great. It's a, it's a learning curve. Like you give up small. We used to give up half chances or some in Europe sometimes in games. You'd be thinking goal, and you'd be like in the league that you're playing in or the level you're playing at. Sometimes you're like that's not a goal, or the keeper make a save, or he won't be as clinical with it. But again, 
Johnny has mentioned it as well. You're playing against Italy under 21s here. Italy are the European champions, you know, and then you have this crop coming through that they're trying to push into their own national side. So if you if you give them chances where they'll sort of maybe them earning it, they're gonna take them. And then you're chasing the game and I know they score late on um in the 89th minute to make it 2-0. But it's a great learning curve for for the Ireland team, the Ireland lads. I know Jim puts a lot of work into them. Um I know the lad from Tala that's that's working working away. So he does a great job with them, he's worked his way up and again it it, it gives great hope that you see the the lads in the twenty ones that have come through and then now in the senior team with Stephen, it gives them great hope now that they can go on and play and there's a chance for them to play senior level. We mentioned this earlier already about like I know Stephen Kelly mentioned, Richard Salier mentioned it during this game about this is one of the first times where an under twenty one can see a natural progression to the senior team through Stephen with the amount of under twenty ones. I think there might have been six or seven players in the, players senior, team. In the yeah. senior team who could have played that game. Well, is that a benefit or is it, do you know what I mean? As you mentioned, players plateau. So Yeah, well, they do plateau. Some players just get to that level, as I said earlier. But from a coach's point of view or a manager's point of view, to be the under-21 manager is, is horrible because <laughs> anything that steps out yeah. and shines, it's just it's taken gone. into the senior team. So if you can imagine yeah. if them six, five or six players were playing for GMD the other night and we beat Italy, there'd be fantastic noise and we're doing brilliant the 21s so you've got to find that balance of do you let them play or do you take them into the senior squad and, 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 and groom them into the senior squad and let them see what it's about and the difference at under 21 level to senior level the Italian players were maybe playing lots of pro- playing with, uh, top teams in Italy and, and whatever else but as Graham said there just clinical the second goal the way the, the, the true ball down through the middle First touch, it looked like he was waiting for it to come over onto his right foot and he smashes away with his left foot nice and quick. Keeper didn't get a chance into the bottom corner. You know, Mar- he's full stretch. But but you know, they're the margins, they're the little little bits that, that you that they that they had in the game. But for Jim, it's, it's difficult, it's a difficult scenario for him. You know, as I said, if he had them extra players, he, he could have done better in the game. But the players need to progress and go into the senior team. But he's a great lad, Jim. He puts in some work and he's an honest an yeah. honest guy. He's, he's a great fella. Had Jim worked for us at Shells, played for us at Shells, but, but he's a great guy. And uh, But look, if the players are coming through, that's that's positive for us that the players are coming through into the senior team, the young players. Graham, when you were, when you were playing at that age group, um, I take it players would have been ahead of you um, who you would have seen that would have done that pre- pre- prior as such like. I, we touched on it off off air, like because I I know you asked Johnny the same question. I was on I I benefited from the area there of the Brian Kerr's groups that won the under 16s in Scotland uh, when they, they beat Italy three 0 in the final I think it was. Then the Malaysia they had they came toward the Malaysia we beat Germany on penalties under 18s. So all these like I just thought this is. This was unbelievable. Like you, they were always going to come. There was players in the group that you just knew. Like I, I ended up playing with Jason Gavin. Like Jason Gavin played centre back with Richie Dunn. Like and he used to, the two of them played together, and you just knew at eighteen they're going to play for Ireland. Like and and then you had obviously Damien Duff, Robbie Keane, Stephen McPhail was another one that you just knew. As soon as you seen him, you thought he's going to play. Alan Mabry, all these boys that were just coming in a group that you thought these are going to play for Ireland at, at some stage or another, um, and and there was a progression. And obviously Robbie jumped early. I think Robbie played at eighteen, so he like <laughs> like Johnny mentioned as well that he was that good that he just jumped, 
you know that you didn't mm. get to play him 21s, he was just gone, there you go. But the, I always felt that there was, especially around that that area, that there was a chance that once you started out playing for Ireland at a young age, that there was a chance that you could go and play in the senior level. Stephen Kelly mentions it a lot. I, I played with Stephen Kelly in the Irish squad at, at under-16s, and Stephen probably wasn't the standout centre-back. We played beside a, a centre-back named Paddy McCarthy. Paddy was the one that everybody thought was going to be the one that jumped out. Stephen ends up t- t- making a move to right back and ends up having a great career at uh, Spurs. So again, you move around and you and you kick on. But though I always felt there was um, because, but I was lucky. I came under I came under an unbelievable group of players that had gone before us that had paved the way. We had made a mark in youth international football across the country, small little country like ours. We made our mark, but. It set it up that we all benefited from it for the next five years afterwards. I think every club in the UK were taking players away just in case the in case there was one they were missing and in case they were the next Richie Dunn or, or Robbie Keane. So um I felt there was, but I like I said to you, the pill before us have gone on to have a hundred caps each between them. Like so it's it was a great group. They have a big game now tomorrow night, Sweden at home. Last time they played Sweden, though, they did quite well. I remember Troy Parra, I think, won goal of the season yeah, for his, his little chip, chip goal. Yeah, yeah. So this is one, like, they come off the back of Montenegro. Montenegro get off to a very good start to two up within nine minutes or so. But then Ireland control the game. Probably should have got an equaliser through the penalty, which is missed. They come home, they lose to Italy. Probably expected. But tomorrow night's a big, big game if they want to try and get that second spot in this group. Well, it's the next game. It's the most important game. That's yeah. the way you got to look at it. You know, you've got to learn from the, the previous games and you've got to learn from the campaign as we spoke with the senior team. And, and once they're learning going, going along, and again, what's available to Jim? You know, does he play the same formation, position-wise players? So he's got to look at the opposition and, and, and see how they can gain an advantage or how they can get at them. But as you said, they, they keep going, the team keeps going. But, you know, they've got to forget about the other night and just learn from it and, and move on and you know it'd be difficult you know it's going to be difficult you know it's uh, Sweden <laughs> always good players like you know but yeah. it's going to be difficult for them to, to pick them back up again Graham it's good that they're, like, they're putting in challenges against these teams who are ranked much higher mm. above them than, than, than they are yeah, like I said to you, it hasn't. It's not just um, a fluke, though. Like yeah. again, this is something that's been planned by the FAI, and and I know real doctor gets a bit of stick, and and whatever people want to have throw at them and stuff. But how can we get? Have we got young players through to our first team? The answer is yeah. Have are we being competitive throughout the age groups? The answer is probably yeah. And but it needs to continue. It can't just be a one-off team once in a blue moon that, that competes like that if you're producing two players every from every age group every year to try and push the green to the that's what it's about because before you because again there's no age limit on the international side so you you could have a 30 year old that is really really experienced has a really mixing with two unbelievable 19 year olds coming out of, of the group but then sprinkled in between are all these players that came through as well so it's really important that we build on that and we constantly are putting players through the system to get them into the first team, to get them as... as and I, 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 what I really liked about Ireland against Portugal more so was they played with... They kept playing with no fear, as in, like, they took the ball in tight areas, they played out, they punched the ball through midfield, through gaps. They were able to take it and take away that inferiority complex that sometimes I think 
we always have that we're the plucky underdogs. Take that away and just at a very young age, because if you take it away, the, the younger you take that away, that stigma is gone by the time they're, they're a senior international. So you're hoping that we can constantly compete all the way through the age groups and, and, and be able to field teams that represent us as a nation, but also the, the pathway that they've been through. Well, there you go. Two lads, very, very positive on Stephen Kenny. And maybe a, a middle of the road on Jim at the moment with tough games ahead. And as Graham just mentioned there, I think both Johnny and Graham have their boots ready for Stephen as there's no age limit on getting back into the international international arena if he's willing to call them up if there's another COVID outbreak. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on now back to the league action. And uh, the last Dublin derby of the season took place on Friday night as Bohemians welcomed Shamrock Rovers to Daly Mount. The home side ran out 3-1 winners in a fiery affair that saw boat managers sent to the stands. And a win that secured some form of bragging rights for the Fisbra side. Let's hear from boat managers now, starting with Keith Long. We've won the game, uh, scored some good goals, disciplined second half performance, uh, restricted uh, Rovers to long range efforts. Uh, probably could have got a goal penalty certainly in the, in the second half, maybe to make a make a four one. Yeah, it was a it was a good night, good night's work. Um, boys worked extremely hard. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on in the game um, in the in the first half. So uh, we've gone ahead. Um, Rovers equalise and, and you know um, Promise comes up with a really good finish, brilliant, brilliant uh, execution. Having gone round the goalkeeper, and and the third goal from a set play, second phase of the set play, set play. So really pleased to, to to win and to to sign off our season at home with a with, with a result. And it keeps you right in that driving seat for fourth place. Yeah, we we goes to the wire, goes to the last game down in Sligo, so um, everything's still to play for. I think Derry have won again tonight, so um, yeah, we're we're neck and neck. We're we're slightly ahead on goal difference, so uh, we know that we have to go down and you know at least match Derry's result. But we'll have to focus on our on our own performance and make sure that we're ready. Uh, we've got a week now to prepare, so um, hopefully the boys will recover um, this weekend, get ourselves ready, dust ourselves down, and have a have a good week behind us ahead uh, of the Sligo trip. The big talking point is going to be the Mandrau goal, the follow-up, his celebration, the ire of the fans, and the sending off of both managers. Yeah, um, yeah. So listen, it's a derby. You know, emotions are high. Um, uh, yeah, listen. You know, what can I, what can I say? So we we. You know, I, I have to take responsibility for my own um, response, uh, actions on the sideline. So there's a coming together. I don't think there was a huge amount in it. There's some variables between myself and the opposition manager. Um, I don't think there's a huge amount in, in, in it for both of us to be sent off. I think it's a yellow card for both of us and the game continues. So, um, yeah, listen, it's... Uh, it's it's one of those things. We didn't deserve anything out tonight. We uh, we didn't do enough. We had a bit of possession, but didn't do enough. Um, yeah, so we didn't deserve it. I know they get a bit of luck with the did the OG off Lee and then the deflection that falls to Cornwall, but we didn't do enough to win the game. The big talking point is to influence Danny Mandroyu had on the game. A terrific equaliser. The celebrations, I suppose, left a little bit to be desired. What happened with the celebrations? I didn't see them. The kissing of the, the arm and trying to, to rile up the home fans. You know Danny kisses his arm after every goal he scores? Because he has something on it that means something to him. The, the really surprising thing about the goal was he never left the pitch and got booked. Um, I, I don't know if the rules have changed in terms of you're not allowed to celebrate um, I know if you leave the pitch you're entitled the referee is entitled to give you a booking but Danny didn't leave the pitch and, and he gets booked uh, that, that's the really surprising thing about the, the goal and the celebrations he hasn't in my opinion um, and with the letter of the Lord he's done nothing wrong he scored a goal he celebrated 
he's entitled to do that. He hasn't left the pitch, um, and he gets booked, which is a a really really strange decision from the referee. Was I've it never seen that. I've never seen that. I've never seen a player celebrate on the pitch and get booked. I understand when he leaves the pitch. Yeah, didn't leave the pitch and he gets booked. Really strange. Well, Graham, as he mentioned, very, very strange. It was a very strange atmosphere as well on Friday with no Rovers fans in the in the ground. The, like I mentioned previous, some bragging rights back. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers say, we're champions. It doesn't really bother us if we've lost that game or not. But uh, the, the, the tension seemed to be building in this Dublin derby from from a couple of months back. Yeah, I think from the FAI Cup game when I, I to be honest with you, I, you know, it was well documented and even watching it, I was watching it from home and just the, the whole the whole way it was run around and, and the access that people had to probably both teams that day was probably, so it's built up into this. I know that the Tala game then when Rovers, uh, obviously there was no away fans there, Bohemians weren't given tickets for that. So, um, Rovers have since gone on to win the league, so it was obviously going to be there was going to be something on the game, um, and then full house for sort of bowls and that. Um, so the atmosphere was building towards it, and then it just became it just it just kept going, didn't it? And it kept building, and all the goals in the first half, and all the stuff that had gone on with Danny previously, where he'd been he got red carded walking off in the FAI Cup game as well, and then when he scores, obviously, um, I'm actually just watching it here and. It, he does kiss his arm after it. He does kiss his hand after every goal he scores. He normally kisses it a bit quicker than what he did there, but he does. He does do that because I haven't done all the FAI games. But I think if he probably just getting booked for excessive taunting. But I don't know if that is a yellow card. Um, I don't know in the rule book where it says that you can't overdo it when you're in the front of the way end. But um, again, I don't know. I, I know. I know a lot of rules when it comes to violent conduct stuff due to my own history. But I wouldn't know about excessive celebrations, to be honest. But <laughs> I think. I think. Um, I, I agree with Stephen's assessment in the game. I didn't think they played enough. He's right. I think uh, Rose just had a thing where they were just going to get up and at them. Um, they scored a vital times in the game. Rovers looked like they were getting back into it, and then they just conceded straight away, which is a kick down the middle of the pitch, and then they scored from a set piece. But um, Bowles probably deserved to win on the night, uh, but it was yeah, it was just a, it was a strange atmosphere. It was a little bit you you felt it was on, on a knife edge all the time. Johnny, myself and yourself have sat through referees course. Yes, we've we've been qualified referees. It did seem a bit bizarre. Like, where else are you going to celebrate? It's a it's a stadium full of Bohemians fans. Well, it's not as if you can run in front of his own fans. There's no celebrate. fans to run to. Look, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a game. Emotions are high. Danny obviously played at bowls as well. But look, you're scoring and tight to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely entitled to yeah. celebrate. Uh, nothing too excessive. Um, but you know, look, bowls deserve to win the match. You know, they they deserve to. They, they, Stevens, if you listen to Stephen all season, he talks about levels and standards, and this is required and that's required. And I know, like from when you win leagues, there's nothing you can do with you. that. All that tension inside you and that release of yeah, we've won the league, it just automatically drops a little bit. And Rovers players, and they've won the league, you yeah. know. So I don't think they're at hundred percent, and that's no disrespect to the win that Bohemians beat them because it's a derby, and I'm sure everyone was up for the match. But when you get to the level of yeah, league is over, season done, 
I think it just it just automatically happens. It's it's natural, and you might say ah, that shouldn't happen, but it does because there's so much tension over the season. Every single game, every single half, every single minute of of each half, when you're champions and you're going to try and retain a title. Everyone wants to beat you. So I would say the pressure on Rovers all season and it just automatically drops off. And I know I keep saying it because it does happen. I, I, I've been there and it does happen. But uh, yeah. look, it's that little edge, it does. It, it, right. it, it, it just drops yeah, off, Graham. And it's nobody's fault. And even, even the pressure no. on the manager. So he drops off. Everyone yeah. just drops off a little bit. And as, again, and I'll say it, no disrespect to the victory for Bowes. They're, they're on a bit of a go now to have a go at Pats in the cup final and them lads are playing for the places so that would definitely yeah. give them the edge. I don't know what happened with you, Johnny, because we we, I think we won the league with three games to go and the next three games we drew. We drew every game and I'm looking thinking, I remember looking back thinking if we needed to win them games, if we needed it, we'd, we'd have won them. We'd have won the game. So I know just that, that edge. I agree like, you with know. you because even during that season when you're playing and you're up there and you go 1 0 down, you still go, we're going to get something out of this match because you have the confidence and the belief yeah. and, and you're, you're playing at that level. But it just, as I said, it just happens. When, when, if we won the league with three games to go. I think a few of our lads were drunk for the three, <laughs> the three weeks celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed. I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I know, remember the night he won it and Guy Bates scored an yeah. absolute cracking goal. I think Guy Bates hasn't paid for a drink and draw since. Like, but, but you know what? Like, and, uh, yeah, and he's milked play- the since as well. <laughs> you're playing at the highest level that you can in the country, and to win a championship or a league is fantastic. You know, it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, but it's big for Bohemians because you're heading into a cup final. You need to have some momentum behind you for them mm. games. So, despite as you said, the little dip, Graham being the last person here who played in a cup final, it is momentum, isn't it? Yeah, I, we speak about it all the time. It's momentum and rhythm and stuff like that, and it's it's playing at that edge and playing in the cold face of it that you you're building up towards. You you gather that going into the game and feeling like you know what we're on a bit of a run here, and if we can turn if we can bring this into the cup final, um, you, you're hopefully gonna get result. Again, Johnny's co- Johnny managed in a cup final. I think it was in two thousand six. Was it Johnny? Yeah. Um, it's famous Derry. last match in the uh, old Lansdale. Yeah, yeah. that's game. right. Yeah. Famous windy day. And Don't bring me back to it. Great game. The yeah. the young holding the oh, corner sorry. flag for for Paddy McCord. Yeah. Anyway, we will forget about that's that. Right, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Two we had two balls on the pitch in 4 I think Waterford are still giving out about that. It's been contentious, but um. Again, it's it, you're trying to keep that rhythm going, but then cup finals are a one-off game, and they're just about performing on the day, and they're just about getting through, getting the result to make sure you at the end at the end of that. I played, I played, and I was lucky to play in a few, and, and some of them were really poor games, but I I honestly don't care, you know what I mean? So it it, it is about. Bowes are obviously hoping to keep that momentum. I think the fact that they have Promise, who's who's been really, really good for them up front because he's a different option to Georgie Kelly. And I know they might be sweating on the fitness of Georgie Kelly, but um, he's been he's been a revelation in the last month that he gives them a different option. He's um, he's a handful. He's a powerful runner. He, he's he's good. He's a good finisher as well. So again, they've unearthed something there that might help them come cup final day. So um, from their point of view, it's a big result. I know they'll talk about um, it's the first time they've got to a cup final in a long time. They've a chance to win silverware. They've a chance to put something down for all Keith's hard work in the last probably five years that every year he loses players and they've a chance to sort of get their hands on some, some silverware to show for that. So uh, they'll be hoping to grasp with both hands. 
Yeah, Graham, you're very true. Get hands on their trophy, and I think all Bowes fans will be well and well and truly happy. Well, it's to the south side of Dublin now as Cup finalists St. Pat's hosted Finn Harps in Richmond Park. A very entertaining two-all draw and a point that was enough to secure second place for Pat's while Finn Harps had to wait until Saturday to see if the point would be enough to keep them in with a chance of staying out of the relegation. Playoff place. In a moment, we'll hear from Ollie Hergan. But first, Stephen O'Donnell of St. Pat's. I thought we started the game well, went in front, and then, you know, just off two sort of, well, uh, a set piece, and then we didn't deal with a cross in the box from a throw-in, and you're 2-1 down, and then we got a scored a, a goal. It was like four goals in quick enough succession. Um Thought second half for a little spell, we lost our way a little bit, and then obviously with the sending off, we regained control and probably looked like we were maybe going to grab a winner. But all in all, probably draw was a fair result. So um, you know, uh, we we got out of it with no injuries, etc. So it, that's that's the main thing I was looking for tonight. The old cliche teams at the bottom when they're hunting for points and they really, really hunted it in packs, particularly I think just after half time there. Yeah, exactly. Like Finn Harps fighting for their lives. But even if they weren't, they were the type of team that uh, that they're that type of team that they are they're always they always give it give it their best shot and you know you're gonna come up against a really committed team whenever you play them. So tonight was no different. And I suppose as well you were able to uh, make a couple of changes. I know some were enforced with international break, but uh, you know in the goalie as well coming on, making a goal. You know he's got a lot of treatment there as well. There, he's putting set pieces under, but uh, it's it's more good when you can give youngsters yeah. like that. Yeah, I thought great. Josh was great for his full debut. You know it's not an easy team to play against. Regards long throws and corner kicks on top of you. I thought he'd done great and he can be really proud of himself and we have a few lads with knocks and niggles and that so we had to juggle the team up and international duty also so um, we're happy with the league campaign in regards European football was a big objective for us and, and we've achieved that and we've now secured second so a good night in that front and then with a cup final to look forward to so we're, we're all looking forward to that in, in two weeks time but we, we have a, a game to play before that against Waterford next Friday and we'll be giving that our best shot too. Probably a great spectacle for the, for the neutral well, that way to you. Um, you know, look, we, 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 we went to try and win the game, as you saw. Uh, we felt we probably shaded in the second half until the sending off, and then we were hanging on for a point in the last 10 minutes, including injury, trying to put it that way. First half was, like, the whole game was pretty crazy. The first half was pretty pretty lively off the scales. Out of, they scored, you went straight down, scored, yeah. went in the lead, and then there's that goal that uh, we're, yeah, still, and, we're still debating about. Yeah, but in fairness to the linesman, the fourth official refused to explain the, the disallowed goal which caused a bit of conflict I think if you ask a question it should be answered to be fair to the linesman he said that we had played him on and to his credit we looked at it at half time and he did play uh, Dara Burns on and we congratulated him and said it but unfortunately the fourth official wasn't happy with that and he had to get his own top and sport and I say that and I don't care where you go with this do you know what I mean because look it's it's not about the fourth official it's not about me it's about Dara Burns it's about Sean Boyd tonight and that's where it should be left that's probably the unfortunate thing because it was in a brilliant game of football Absolutely. for a spectacle and we're all honed on and bits and pieces and things are said and a little bit of niggles. But come here, listen, Stevie was there, I mean, I spoke to Stevie about the throw-in from Jason McKellen. He hadn't a problem in the world, he laughed. He's another Galway man that you're talking about. So why, why does someone interfere in this? They're too busy and unfortunately the man tonight let himself down, but so be it. They do it. There's some great officials out there, right? And to be fair to the linesman, while I criticised him at the time for Dara Burns' header, he got it spot on, and I was the first one to tell him at the start of the second half, you were right. It leaves things, you know, if we look, you know, you had the red card, you were, uh, you were right. I thought you had dominated the second half with, you know, that big chance from straight away from Foley, and then you battered them for a while, I thought. Then had to hang on again, yeah. I suppose, you know, showed both sides of the coin, really, today. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a deceptive win there that was... Going in, going into the shed end there, and it was with us in the second half. And I, I thought we, 
we dominated territory until the sending off, but at the same time, you know, to, to hang on with 10 men, they they'd completely dominated, especially when Chris Forrester came on. Like So, no, we, we can't complain. It's a draw enough. I don't know. Only time will tell. Well, Johnny, as we mentioned just there about Bowe's momentum going to a cup final is vitally important. Stephen mentioned games like this against Finn Harps, fighting for their life. It's a difficult game. He's got an even more difficult one next week against Waterford. You know, it'll be packed down in Waterford as well. They'll come out for that game. There'll be a big support for Waterford. And, uh, you know, I heard Stevie talking about, yeah, we left a few players out with injuries and stuff like that, bringing young lads in. So it'll probably be the same next week because he's thinking about making sure all his players come through and, uh, you know, for the, for the cup for him the following week. But, you know, it's just gonna to go down there. As you said, it'd be difficult. Uh, Mark will have them roiled up. I mean, I looked at one stage, Waterford were nearly out, out of trouble, but now they're right back in it. And and, and Ollie is there again this year again. So they're they're, they're well used to the, to the fight. Be concerned for momentum <laughs> for Pats. Two two against Finn Harps. Yeah. Three nil against Sligo. Five yeah. goals in two games leading into a cup final. I'd have a little bit of concern about that. But look, that's that's for two weeks time. The, the, you know, his next match is Waterford down there. Difficult. Yeah, Graham. The, like the momentum has to has to build from somewhere, and as, as Johnny's just pointed out, there, it's not helping Pat's that they've got two teams that are in a relegation struggle for the last two games of the season as well. But they can't. You can't help your fixture list. Yeah. You know? yeah. And they and they like, they have to you have to play what's in front of you. If you want to put one eye on your cup final and not and not play, the, that's your choice. That's your prerogative. They finish second. They can do it. Do they owe it to, to anyone else to, to do that? No, like they've done their job this year. They've secured second spot and then they have a cup final. So they have to do what they have to do. Do they have enough players to do it? That's another question. But um well, Graham, can't you help know, how the you fixtures know you're playing matches. Like I don't know, but yeah. when I played a match I had to play a hundred percent. I, I, yeah. The player going into a match, like, well, you generally get injured or something happens to them. If you're not, yeah. you know, you can't be going into a game 50, 60%. And, you know, mentally, physically, I, I, I couldn't play like that. I actually just couldn't. So no. I'm sorry for crossing you d- there, Graham. I, no, no, I, I, you, you actually, I retired under you, Johnny, and I retired at 31. And I couldn't, I, could, I couldn't play, I couldn't play any longer, like, because I, I couldn't play at that intensity that I played with at 22. And I broke, and that's the bit that killed me. It wasn't that. Oh well, I, I I get that. I had to play. I used to play. I say this all the time. I play beside Jay Gavin, and Jay Gavin wouldn't break a sweat. And I'd be playing flat out, and he'd be like, "Well, winning three 0 What are you doing?" And I go, "I don't want to concede the goal." Like you know, like I was just I was I played at that intensity all the time because I always felt like someone was going to take it away from me. That someone else was going to find out that oh no, you you're and not you know that who good. Takes like, it away you know? from you, Graham. Time and years. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And it was, it was that, I understand, and I, I couldn't play a game half, co- half sort of, like, yeah, you know what I mean, I had to play flat out, so I understand that, and some people are able to do it, but some people aren't, but again, it, it's on, Pats can do whatever they want to do, they've finished second in the league, and, they, and they've a cup final coming up, if he wants to rest players, I personally like the playing games, because I know then going into the cup, into a game that, I know I, I have a game behind me and I have form behind me and I have my eye in and that and some people I like that other people prefer to go no no give me a rest so I make sure I'm firing and I'll seal this for the game so Stevie will know his squad and what what players need what and what ones need to be competitive going into the weekend to then go into a cup final only Stevie can can decide that 
Well, before the two lads put their slippers and smoking jacket on and get a cup of cocoa, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to move on to the Ryan McBride and well, Brandywell Stadium next. Derry's push for Europe had a boost of sorts with a 2-0 win over European-bound Sligo Rovers. Jamie McGonagall with a brace for the candy stripes. But the Bowes win means they need a better result than the Dubliners on Friday night to secure that fourth spot in the league. And here's a very happy Rory Higgins talking to Eric White. Um, I think first 25 minutes we were excellent. They grew into this first half and finished the half stronger than us and I was glad to see half time to be honest but I think they had two they had a spell in each half where they were on top but I think chances created and all all those sort of things I think we, we definitely deserve the three points probably wanted the second goal to come a little bit earlier than it did but but when it did come it was a magnificent goal wasn't it from uh, Jimmy McGonigal who's had a fantastic night uh, brilliant uh, two I think the first finish don't underestimate that either on his left foot Really, really good finish. He's got seven goals in less than half a season here, which is a really good return for someone who hasn't had a pre-season. So the sky's the limit for him. Um, he's, in my opinion, one of the best finishers um, on the island of Ireland. And, and I think if we can get a good pre-season in them, then we've got a hell of a player on our hands. And just finally, you take the fight for fourth now down to the final day of the season. I know there's going to be a lot of build-up probably next week and the fact that it's Dundalk as well and everything that's happened there. But you go there on a high and looking forward to that one. I, if, if, if I was offered this position on, on April the 23rd, then I wouldn't, have believe, I wouldn't have believed it first and foremost. So they even have half a shout um, of, of getting into that fourth position. It's incredible. And the players here and the staff deserve huge credit because everyone works really hard and and, and I, th- I think um, what the players are given then I think they, they deserve it Johnny he said there when he came into the job they were they were around the regular relegation spot yeah. so to finish where they finished is, is quite an achievement in your first half a year as a manager well look you, you know he stepped away from the international scene with Stephen Kenny you know walking there he's been working at Dundalk so he obviously had a good reason to go to Derry, you know, does talk about money coming into the club. But that aside, I think Rudy is really, you know, he's definitely done a fantastic job this season and getting the players together and, you know, as you said, maybe trying to strive against relegation. Mm. They're looking to go and finish fourth in the league now. So for this, I think it's just going to be positive going forward for, for Rory Higgins and Derry City. Graham, from a Sligo point of view, they they did enough over the last couple of weeks, a couple of wins in a row, but they seem to be back to the logo we've seen over the last couple of weeks as well. But again, is that down to dropping off maybe because they know they've got the third place secured? Well, they, they, they must have had third place secured six months ago as well because I went to watch them yeah, play. They, they're infuriating they, yeah, oh. with their lack of consistency. There's no question. And and again, it was like I went to watch them play Sham- Shamrock Rovers against Sligo Rovers. They had a chance to every time they have a chance to put to lay a glove or put a dint into something. They just go flat, and I'm like, and I and, and I, I couldn't understand. I actually started asking questions about people who had worked with with Liam and said like, you know, what is he demanding off in terms of when you haven't got the ball and things like that? Just trying to understand it because I just I couldn't fathom it that they play they play in such a way. It's like you just go and have a go, and then we'll have a go, and we'll see what happens. And and I'm a bit like, right, well, if you're coming up against better sides, you're gonna get hurt here, like. And it's just that inconsistency with them that it's like a real, there's a malaise about them sometimes that I just, infuriate, like you said, infuriates me watching them thinking, just get together for a little while or go through the bad bit. If they're going to have the ball for a little bit, we'll be tight and we make them play around us or we make them play over it. But they're not playing through. 
and and again you don't know what I'd say I'd say they bust the coupon every week with because you think oh, they're, they're on a good run of form I'll, I'll throw a few bob in them and then they, they let you down and every week you think oh, they're going to have a go here or they have a chance Shamrock Rovers would lose and they'd have a chance to win to maybe go top of the league and, and they wouldn't win and they've had it's remarkable that they're still in third place considering the form they've been on since the European run and, it, and it, I'm flabbergasted when I see them sometimes yeah that's Europe secured from them and it's actually a fascinating start I've seen during the week I think Conan Byrne put it up about the percentage of wins they get when Greg Bulger is in the squad and the percentage of losses when he's not in the squad but let's move on to the last game of the weekend which saw Waterford travel to Bishop Gate to take on the already relegated Longford Town a 65th minute goal from Anthony Wordsworth looked at a tie going the Blues way but just 10 minutes later Dean Williams scored from the penalty spot to leave it all even Waterford now need to get a better result than Harps on Friday or they'll be in the relegation playoff spot John it's like you've got Waterford at home you've got Finn Harps at home Harps v Longford Waterford v St Pat's as we've already mentioned but the Harps game in particular you'd fancy Harps to get something against Longford in, in maybe well, it's the next match you know Finn Harps might you know I don't think Ollie will be looking at it like that it's three points up for grabs on, on, on Friday night uh, against Longford you know, Longford have nothing to play for. They're gone. They they play, you know, regardless. They just go and play the game. And things might work out for them. Things might not. Difficult assignment for Waterford against mm, Pats. Pats. It's a bit mm. more, a bit more. Looking at it on paper, you would say, you don't know with the pressure of the last day. Ollie is used to it. You know, Mark is new manager coming in, and Waterford players used to it. Will they get something out of the game? Will Ollie again pull the rabbit out of the half and survive <laughs> another year? Graham, what do you what do you think? Well, how how this is going to be? I think the closest of all the Friday night games. These two games are the ones people can be watching more than anything else. I think Waterford will win, but I think Finn Harps will win as well. So that leaves Harps up, and what it could actually be if you look at goal difference, this could go down to the one game Waterford were made to play under 19 against yeah. Strada, and that would be. An I think Harps shame. will win. I, yeah, I think Harps will win. I think Finn. I think uh, Waterford will win, but I think Waterford will stay up in the playoff. Ooh, the playoff final is also scheduled for Friday evening as well. So yeah. that'll be an interesting, interesting to see who they get in that playoff. Who do you think Bray, if, if Bray or UCD come up? I was talking to James Keddy yesterday. I was out with a match yesterday. I was talking to James, and uh, he said they're confident enough. You know, they're happy to where where they're at. Uh, they've done well. He said this year against UCD, and. Uh, you know, they're just focusing on the game on Friday. That's in Daily Mount, isn't it? Yeah, it's Daily yeah, yeah. Park. So, but Graeme, you you reckon whoever comes up out of that playoff, either Harps or Waterford, maybe could see them out? I just think they're battle hardened at this stage as well, and I, like I I always feel sometimes before going into playoffs that there's teams that are in a really poor vein of form and they're on the slide and they're con- and they're losing every week and they're on the, and they're on the way down and then the team coming up in the playoffs are on this hide are euphoric they're going through similar to what happened last season they're going through the gears they're winning they're pull- like what happened Longford they're pulling results out and they're going this is great and again momentum and everything goes with them but I don't see Finn Harps and Waterford on that slide I think they've been in I think they've been picking up results and they've been in bat- they've battled they go to like you said they go to Richmond Park and they're drawing too well with the team that finishes second in the league I think Waterford uh are getting results as well and putting in performances to get to the semi-final of the FAI Cup as well and lose the balls. So it's not like they're playing a team that can't buy a win here or can't find form. So I, 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 that's where I just think they got their, again, it's lined up for the Premier Division team to, to, to basically stay in the Premier Division. 
So anyway, the very final night's fixtures take place on Friday, as we said. Fourth place will be decided whether Bowes can get a result against Sligo or Derry get a result against Dundalk. Dundalk. That's up in the air. As we've just mentioned, relegation playoff spot needs to be decided as well. But the one thing that definitely doesn't need to be decided is that the RT cameras will be in Tala on Friday night for Shamrock Rovers versus Drawdead Sea. Shamrock Rovers lift the title for the second year in a row. That's live in Tala Stadium on Friday. Well, thanks, Johnny and Graham. Until probably the next couple of weeks, we might talk to you again on the podcast. Thanks for joining you this week on the RT Soccer Podcast. Now, as if the weekend couldn't get any more exciting, the SSC Electricity Women's League decided it would get in on the action. P-Mount went into their game with Galway as favourites, while Shells faced Wexford in Tolka at the same time. P-Mount raced into a 2-0 lead, while in Tolka, Shells were in front against Wexford. But two goals in five minutes before half-time got Galway back level. Galway then pushed on in the second half and a sublime chip from Abby Callanan secured a 5-2 win for Galway. Meanwhile, in Tolka, an 86th-minute Kylie Murphy goal for Wexford gave Shells some nervous moments. But as the final whistles blew across Dublin, it was Shells who were crowned champions. And our roving reporter, Jonathan Higgins, believe it or not, caught up with both camps after the final whistle, starting with Shelburne's Pearl Slattery. Incredible. Um, I've actually no words. I don't think it's actually hit me, to be honest. I was just saying to you there, you know, throughout the week, I was, you know, at times you don't want to think about, you're kind of thinking, imagine, you know, the other result went their way and we'd be a good exercise. It'd be my dream to win a Women's National League title in Tolka. Like, that's what I've dreamed about since we've moved here. And... Just the fact it's happened, I actually, I can't go over it. And I'm just so happy for my teammates. Um, they're unbelievable people, players, the coach and staff who have come in and everybody involved in the club, to be honest. There's a lot of great volunteers who do so much for us um, and all of our family and friends as well who have supported us over the years. Like, tonight is for them. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just a shook, I think. I can only imagine, like, I was over in Rathcool and then there was the scenes they went 2-0 two, two up. It looked like it was destined. It, it, from the neutral and the outside, it looked like it was destined for for Piedmont for quite some time even when you might go back to the, the game out in Red Cool between yourselves mm. what stage tonight did you think you know oh crap this might actually happen yeah like look you go back, you go back to that night in Red Cool and like even after that game you were all kind of like what what's happened here like what's it was odd like it just felt odd but in fairness to Noel and all the coaching staff they got us back you know after that game and we just kept playing along winning every game that's all we could do really just keep winning and if they slip up we had to be there and I don't know, you weren't obviously here tonight, but um, throughout the first half, the crowd got a bit noisy and I was thinking something's going on in that other game. Um, and then I came in at halftime and I, fe- I found out it was too all, but I still didn't get my hopes up. None of us did. We had a job to do and that's what we've been thinking about all week. Do our job, because if we don't do our job and they slip up, that would be even worse. So we were really focused. And I have to say, that's probably one of our best performances this season. I thought we played Wexford off the park for minute one, um, which, you know, Wexford are a brilliant team, a lot of quality players. Um and then midway through the second half, the crowd got noisier and noisier. And I'm kind of looking around thinking, surely not, like, surely God, we're not winning. And someone just nodded and thumbs up to me. And I thought, oh, my God, this is incredible. And then there was a stoppage in play. I think it was about 15 to go. And I asked somebody what time was left. And they said 15. It's 4-2 to go away. And I nearly fell to the ground, I think. And I was just saying to the girls, look, keep your heads. And I remember with 10 or six minutes ago, I looked at Chloe and I said, we're six minutes away and being league champions here. We give them nothing and then they pulled one back in fairness to them and you know nerves were gone but um look we held out and i'm just delighted for everyone because look over the years i think we've deserved a little bit more than we've got but we all know i'm around long enough you don't get what you deserve in football you have to kind of earn it and i think we did that tonight and look a league table doesn't lie does it um whoever wins on the most points has been the best team in the league and i'm just 
thrilled. As I said, yeah, it's been a dream of mine for this group, and to win it in Talca Park is just, I can't get over it. Like. What, a, what an amazing achievement, really and truth. You're coming in tonight hoping you might get a playoff, hoping. Um, and the way the thing has worked out was just an amazing, it's an amazing tribute to the girls. They've been brilliant. We had got hammered by P-Mount at the start, or started the tour round, and we went on unbeaten since then, winning, 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 which was very difficult to do. Uh, we got some late winners, but there was some great, great stuff uh, throughout the season, and I think we deserve it. I can't help but have a flashback to that game out in Rathcool as well. I said a bomb back from Rathcool, but that one where, you know, I th- thought the, res- the scoreline was probably a bit harsh on you as well. But that felt like a big statement. It almost felt like that was lights out. But to your credit, whatever you said to the girls, they kept on them going. It's nothing to do with me. The girls are great players. That's the truth. Uh, the, you know, and we've some great players, some international players. Uh, and I think they deserve the, tr- the trophy. I would have said earlier, I would have said before the two weeks, uh, Piedmont deserved to win it. But you have to keep it going to the end, and we did, and thank God they didn't. Very disappointed how, how, how it ended, you know. We were 2-0 up, and we were coasting. I thought we were playing really well, and then we can see the two goals. Um, we still thought we were okay, though, um, going into the second half, and then we can see the other one, it just, just kind of killed us. Yeah, it seems like a long time ago now as well, but I, the one thing I remarked at the start, you were at it from the first kickoff. you know, you were zipping in. Two goals didn't flatter you, you were totally deserved for that stage, but it's just amazing how football can be so emotive at times. Yeah, listen, as, as you said yourself, I thought we were pressing and um, was really aggressive, you know, when we were, we were confident and brave in possession and we were making things happen. But when we conceded the goals, then going into the, the second half, as I said, it just maybe just knocked, knocked our confidence, just knocked us back. And we just didn't seem to have the reaction to, to um, you know, get another goal. The girls have been heroic all season. You know, there's been a lot of um, tough times this year. But as I said, the girls they put themselves in a great position, and we just just weren't able to get over the finish line, you know. And it's very disappointing. Their heads are down, um, so you know we just got to try and pick ourselves up, you know. Um, and congratulations to Shelbourne, you know they've been phenomenal, winning all the games. Yeah, it's a tough one to take. But you've, your sides have seen good days before, and they'll see good days again in the future, no doubt. Yeah, as you know, that that's football. It's full of ups and downs, and this is a big down for us. But as I says, the girls have been brilliant all season, so we just got to try and pick ourselves up now. And that was James O'Callaghan, female manager before him, Noel King, Shell's manager and Pearl Slattery, Shelburne player. We'll obviously hear more from Pearl and Noel over the next coming days ahead of the Cup Final in Tallis Stadium, where it'll be a replay of Friday night as Shelburne take on Wexford Youths. That game obviously will be live on RT television and radio on Sunday, and that's where we leave it. Thanks for listening. Until next week, goodbye.